0: Dearest loved one, it was hard for me to write this letter because avoidance comes more easily to me. I am writing this because you are somebody who is very important to me. I like to think that if you were going through a difficult time, you would feel free to talk to me openly and feel listened to and supported. I care about you so much And yet, it's really hard for me to talk about this to you. I'm going through some very difficult times right now. And I want to help you understand why I might have been acting in ways that might not seem like me lately. I want to explain and maybe ask you to support me in some helpful ways, if you'd like to. You may be wondering why I have not asked to talk about this before. And I'm writing instead of calling or speaking to you in person because it's a really, really difficult thing to talk about. It's also not something I'm used to doing. Expressing myself in writing feels safer right now. One day, I hope to be able to talk with you about my depression and anxiety in the same way that we talk about everyday stuff. Depression is a daily struggle in my life. It's hard for me to articulate what this illness feels like. It's like having a fog between you and everything else in life. It's like having a backpack full of rocks that you carry with you everywhere. It wears you down. It's like walking through quicksand that no one else can see and hoping that today is not the day that you go under. Sometimes it's one minute at a time. It's hard to talk about because you tell me all of the beautiful things in my life that I should be grateful for. How I have so much. I cannot argue, but it does not minimize the fact of this darkness. The most important thing that I want you to understand is that suffering from depression is much more than having a bad day or feeling stressed out. A bad day is just that, a bad day. And for most people, sadness may be a temporary emotion. Depression can make people feel miserable for weeks and months, or even years at a time. It's exhausting. It can make people hate themselves and their life. Surviving can become the goal of the day and surpasses all other ambitions. It's gut-wrenching, and it's incredibly courageous to live with depression. I also want you to know that depression is an illness. It's complicated with no easy fix. There are literally hundreds of millions of people who suffer often in silence. And that right there is an excerpt from a letter um, written, a generic letter written for those who may be suffering that they could pen to a loved one to help open up discussion about living with a mental illness, um, and in this example specifically, depression. and in episode number two we covered the differences between mental health and mental illness we also covered some of the more common mental illnesses um, and one of those was depression and tonight i'd like to do a little bit of a deeper dive into depression And specifically to cover different forms of depression so I want to talk about what it is some of the different signs and symptoms of depression treatment options that are available and then finally uh, we'll end with a call to action and before we jump in obviously um, This is a a subject that is um, sobering and the reason that I feel it's important for us to talk about is because we're still building a foundation of our understanding around mental illnesses and in order for us to have other conversations about getting better and how to improve on you know either um, living with a mental illness or in improving our overall mental well-being, we have to have an understanding of what some of these things are. And so, I appreciate you bearing with me as we have some of these conversations and as we explore some of the darkness. One of my um, favorite podcasters um, will typically say in order for us to know light we have to explore the darkness and so uh for a few for a few episodes we will definitely explore darkness but um we will ultimately start talking about how to how to get better Um, but this lays a good foundation for understanding obviously uh like i mentioned in episode number one i am not a medical professional um these are just things that I'm trying to learn more about. And so tonight as we talk about um, these forms of depression, the signs and symptoms and, and treatment associated with these forms of depression, I'm not here to diagnose or to imply that uh, if you or somebody that you know has these symptoms that we discussed that they or you may have depression, um, This is just a a factual discussion that we're going to have tonight, and uh, I really want to have the conversation um, in order for us to raise awareness to the different mental illnesses and the different forms of depression, and so um, I would take our conversation tonight um, as you are listening to it with a grain of salt and not hey, if, if, I've, if I have some of these signs and symptoms or if somebody I know is exhibiting some of these signs and, and symptoms to not jump to the conclusion that they ultimately will or have depression, but um, it may just be something for you to, to look out for. And obviously, as as you go through this, if if you are questioning your overall mental well-being or you feel like you do have a form of mental illness where that it may be something prevalent in your life, then then obviously, please, please seek out care um, by a mental uh, health professional or, or a, just a, a medical provider. Because um, the most important thing is for you to uh, continue to be here and to get help if needed. All right. So with that, let us go ahead and jump in uh and the first thing that i would like to talk about is what is depression Um, so depression is a mental health disorder that is characterized by um, persistent feelings of sadness uh, emptiness um, a loss of interest uh, or pleasure in daily activities and it really affects um, a person's thoughts emotions and their daily function so some symptoms of depression may include changes in appetite um, and this could be either having a reduced appetite or um, overeating it could also include changes to sleep patterns again this could be um, not not sleeping a lot or sleeping more than normal or sleeping a lot some additional uh, symptoms could include um, low energy, having some difficulty in concentrating, feelings of worthlessness or guilt, um, and then on the 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 extreme side, um, you know, thoughts of self harm or or potentially even suicide. So, again, um, as you are um, listening to this. Um, if you ever are in or having some of those thoughts, it's, a, it's essential for you to seek professional help um, for, for either yourself or if somebody you know is experiencing um, symptoms of depression. And, and Really, there's two reasons for that. The first is we need you here, and you add value to um, this world. But second is depression is a treatable condition. And the help out there does work. And people are able to um, overcome some of these signs and symptoms and lead um, meaningful and fulfilling lives. So in episode number two, we talked a lot about um, the differences between mental health and mental illness. But one of the things we also went over were some of the more common uh, mental illnesses. and, And one of those was... The umbrella of depression and prior to finding out that Alex suffered from depression um, I just thought it was one one thing there's you know you you had depression but um, in in doing some additional research um, there are multiple forms of depression and so I thought it would be a good opportunity for us to go into some of those um, different forms of depression to learn more about them So we're going to talk, uh, talk about what it, what they are, what some of the the symptoms might be and what treatment might be available for those. Now, what I will say as we jump into that is that a lot of what we're going to talk about, some of the signs and symptoms and some of the treatment are going to be very similar to each of the, um, other forms of mental, um, of depression, sorry. Um, so you, it may seem repetitive, um, but just wanted to, to throw that out there. So the first one we're going to cover tonight is major depressive disorder um, in the medical community. It's uh, called MDD, but it's commonly referred to as depression. And This is a, a mental health disorder that is characterized by persistent feelings of sadness, hopelessness, um, irritability, Changes in appetite and sleep patterns. So either not eating um, or overeating or not sleeping or sleeping a ton. It can include fatigue, loss of uh, energy, having difficulty in concentrating or or even in making decisions. Um, Those feelings of worthlessness or guilt um, and even thoughts of death or suicide. So. Major depressive disorder is different from having occasional feelings of sadness or temporary mood fluctuations um, that, that happen as a part of normal day life. So as you are going through your day, it is normal to have days where you might be sad or where you are feeling like you don't have energy or you're fatigued or you have a night where you don't sleep very well. That's just a normal, normal part of everyday life. But major depressive disorder, I think the the, the main um, differentiation there is the persistent feelings of those things. So if we have them from time to time, that is a part of everyday life. But if you're experiencing these things on a consistent or persistent basis, that's really where the diagnosis from for major depressive disorder may come from. Um, and as you're working, as, as individuals are working with their um, medical providers to be diagnosed with major depressive disorder, they look at whether these symptoms are present for at least two weeks um, and are significantly impacting the individual's daily functioning. So that's a distinction there, too, right, um, is, is, is if you are going through this, you know, you have a, a poor night's sleep one night, that's one thing, but if you're experiencing the majority of these symptoms for an extended period of time, um, that's, that's an indication or a um, something to be used by the, the medical provider in, in diagnosing uh, major depressive disorder. The exact cause of major depressive disorder um, is, is not fully known but um the research and and um, the science is suggesting that is su- suggesting that a uh, there's a combination of factors that uh, may lead to this um depressive disorder. Some of those things include uh, um genetics, um your biologic your your biology, um environmental and psychological factors. Things like traumatic life events and chronic stress can lead to a major depressive disorder, as can certain medical conditions Um, and imbalances in brain chemicals um, could also contribute to to development of depression. The treatment for major depressive disorder uh, often will include a combination of therapy, medication, and support. Um, so, for, for therapy, um, typically it's called psychotherapy. Um, there are things that are called, um, there's a treatment called cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT. Um, there's one called interpersonal therapy, IPT. And these, these therapies can help individuals identify and then work to change negative thought patterns um, and to help the individual develop coping strategies. Um, another another form of treatment um, would be um, antidepressant medications, which are prescribed by healthcare professionals to help rebalance brain chemicals. And then another form of treatment could include lifestyle changes, um, such as um, regular regular exercise, um, eating a healthy diet, um, as well as um, having good social support. Um, can benefit um, those with major depressive disorder. Moving on to the second uh, form of, of depression, is one called persistent depressive disorder or PDD. Um, and this is a chronic form of depression. Um, and it's characterized by a depressed mood that, uh, is, that lasts for most of the day, more days than not, for at least two years in adults. Um, Or if they're evaluating children or adolescents, it's a depressed mood that will last for most of the day, more days than not, for at least a year. So people with persistent depressive disorder may experience symptoms including low self-esteem, poor appetite, including overeating, uh, disturbances in sleep, low energy, difficulty, concentrating, and feelings of hopelessness, which are similar to those signs and symptoms of major depressive disorder. But where persistent depressive disorder differs from major depressive disorder is really in terms of the duration and severity. So while persistent depressive disorder symptoms may be um, less intense than those of major depressive disorder, They can persist for a more extended period of time, which can cause significant distress and impairment in everyday life. So um, persistent depressive disorder are maybe lower intensity uh, signs and symptoms, but the duration of those symptoms um, are there for a long time. And in major depressive disorder, there are higher severity signs and symptoms which may not last as long. Um, so the treatment for per- persistent depressive disorder often um, in- involves, again, a combination of therapy, medication, and lifestyle changes um, to help um, manage symptoms and improve the overall well-being of the individual. And again, those, those um, therapy, medication, and lifestyle changes are, are similar to major depressive disorder as well. The third form of depression that I wanted to talk about um, this evening is one that probably is not talked about um, enough or it's not as well known um, by most individuals. And it's called postpartum depression or PPD. And this is a type of depression that occurs in some women after they give birth to a child. So postpartum Postpartum depression can start within a few weeks after childbirth and it may persist for several months, uh, especially if left un, un, untreated. Postpartum uh, depression is is unique and the cause of, of it is is not known, but in some of the research that has been in, conducted on postpartum depression, um, it, it suggests that um, Hormonal changel, changes, sorry, um, physical and emotional stress, sleep deprivation, and even a combination of genetic uh, and psychological and environmental factors may contribute to its development. And for those that are um, going through postpartum depression, some of the, the symptoms uh, include extreme fatigue. Irritability, having difficulty bonding with the baby, changes in appetite and sleep patterns, which are consistent with um, persistent depressive disorder and major depressive disorder, feelings of guilt and worthlessness, and thoughts of harming oneself and or the baby. This is a serious condition that obviously will... And can affect the well-being of both the mom and the baby, and it's important for women who are experiencing uh, these these symptoms to to get obviously um, healthcare uh, or to seek care from a healthcare professional. Um, some of the treatment that are options that are available for postpartum depression. Um, Include some therapy. It it also will, will include support groups, uh, medication, and lifestyle changes. I was interested um, to kind of learn a little bit more about some of those lifestyle changes because <clears throat> it's kind of hard to 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 think about what you might be able to change having a baby. Um. And so I. So some of the things that I found um, were, um, those lifestyle changes may include building a support system who can provide like emotional support or reassurance and practical assistance. And so what I kind of found was like, Hey, having, having a good group or network of individuals that you can rely on and ask for help from, not from a standpoint of, um, dealing with some of the signs and symptoms, but like Literally asking for help to, to do chores and to, to help with things that are needing to be done around the house potentially um, may help um, some, of these, some of these signs and symptoms. Um, some of the other lifestyle changes that, that I found were um, included self-care, um, establishing a routine and, and sticking to that routine. Um, the one that I, that I liked here is moms have so much going on and they're doing so much, but really delegating tasks and asking for help um, with some of those tasks can, can, can be beneficial. Um, the other one that was mentioned was just being able to connect with, with other mothers. Um, and with proper support and treatment, um, women with postpartum depression can recover um, and then enjoy a healthy and fulfilling relationship with their baby. I can't remember if this is uh, if we're moving on to number four or if that was number four. So uh, apologies about that. But the the next one I wanted to talk about was um, one that um, sometimes is is uh, referred to as the winter blues, but it's a seasonal affective disorder or sad. And this is a form of depression that is uh, characterized by the onset of depression during winter months usually when there is less natural sunlight that is present. Um, And this type of depression generally lifts when spring arrives and can return every year. So I spent some time in the Seattle area, um, and there were months between, I would say, um, oh, I don't know, Uh, September... Between September or October and April where it is just pure cloud cover and it would be not uncommon to, to hear of uh, news reports of 40 straight days of rain or or whatnot. And, and, and literally you, you might not see the sun for extended periods of time. And this was the seasonal affective disorder or SAD was um, something pretty common. I'm in the Pacific Northwest Um, so anyways a little bit of a side tangent there Um, but uh, so the seasonal affective disorder is a type of depression like we like we said it it happens in a seasonal pattern Um, and typically this will start and end around the same time each year Um, most commonly it's associated with the fall and winter months uh, when we have daylight hours that are just shorter than they are in the summer. But there are also um, there are also instances where seasonal affective disorder can occur during the spring and the summer. But again, this is happening less frequently than the, the times where it's happening happening in fall and winter months. The exact cause of seasonal disorder, a seasonal affective disorder, is not understood um, but a lot of the research is suggesting that it's it's linked to changes in light exposure that disrupts the body's internal um, clock um, and affects the serotonin levels of of the body so a reduced sunlight can affect the production of melatonin and serotonin um, which are n- neurotransmitters that play a role in regulating mood and sleep patterns. So um, if you haven't already, um, Andrew Huberman is a neurobiologist uh, a- at Stanford and he has a podcast. And if you were going to sum up the the, the majority of his teaching, it's going to be talking about uh, obtaining and getting sun. And I would highly recommend his his podcast to talk a little bit about the benefits of getting sun on our overall mental well-being i'll link that in the comments um and we'll also do a little bit more um in-depth analysis of that on a future episode but it's really interesting um and uh just just how how much impact the sun can really have on on our mood and um and even in our sleep patterns. So symptoms of seasonal affective disorder um include or may include persistent uh feelings of sadness or hopelessness, may include some low energy, again changes in appetite and sleep patterns. So we're seeing some some um consistency there. Um which would potentially lead to weight gain. Um difficulty in concentrating and a lost, uh, or a loss of interest in, in activities. Um, again, these are typically going to be symptoms that occur in a seasonal pattern. Um, and the treatment for seasonal affective disorder includes light therapy where individuals are exposed to bright artificial light to compensate for a lack of natural light. Um, so there are also other options of treatment, which include psychotherapy, medication, um, you know, and then lifestyle changes like getting exercises, maintaining a healthy diet, and then trying to manage stress. When I lived up in, uh, in Seattle, a lot of my coworkers would have um, like a sun lamp either somewhere in their house or even at their desk, and they would, you know, turn it on. And, um, yeah, get get some benefits of, of having that artificial light. and then they also are some of some of them would also be um, prescribed um, vitamin D um, like extra doses of vitamin D. So those are those are some additional things that may be associated with w- associated with seasonal affective disorder. All right. So the last one that I wanted to talk about um, tonight was and is bipolar disorder. So bipolar disorder is different from depression, but um, it is included with the list of types of depression because somebody who lives with bipolar disorder um, will experience extreme low moods that meet the criteria for major depression. Um, But they also will experience the extreme highs as well. So it's included with depression because when they are in that low valley of feeling depressed, it does meet the criteria for major depression, but they're not experiencing it on a consistent or persistent basis. Bipolar disorder actually was formerly known as manic depression. Um, And it's really characterized by extreme shifts in mood. Um, you may also experience extreme shifts in energy levels and activity levels as well. Um, and people who have bipolar disorder um, experience episodes um, of, of mania or hypomania, which are periods of elevated mood, heightened energy, impulsivity, and sometimes irritability. And then these episodes are followed by periods of depression which are characterized by feelings of sadness, low energy, and loss of interest or pleasure in those activities. So think about this like a mountain range. You may be at the top of the peak and feeling extremely high, and then the next minute you may be in that valley experiencing the lowest of lows, and you're, you're going through this on a daily basis. And I, I just can't even imagine what impact that that would have on your body going from extremely high to, to the lowest of lows and going through that, not only not only going through that, but going through that maybe multiple times a day. Um, there are different types of bipolar disorder, which I think we, we, we talked real briefly about uh, in episode number two. But some of those um, different types of uh, bipolar include bipolar 1, bipolar 2, and uh, cyclothymic. Uh, Disorder. Each of these have varying patterns and of severity um, of their mood episodes. So, bipolar one involves experiencing at least one manic episode, Um, and then bipolar two disorder involves episodes of hypomania and major depressive episodes. Like the other forms of depression, really the, the cause of bipolar disorder isn't 100% hundred understood. Um, again, they believe that the cause is mainly um, factors relating to genetics, uh, biology, and the environment. Um, and bipolar can unfortunately affect individuals of any age and a and it can have a significant impact on their on their daily lives, their relationships, and and even in their overall functioning. You know, I think we we talked a little bit about that, just trying to imagine ourselves, you know, climbing up that mountain and then sliding back down and maybe having to do that multiple times throughout the day, just how um, how impactful that might be on, on your life. The treatment for bipolar disorder um is is really involving a combination of medication um which are um, targeted to help uh stabilize mood um and then the other treatment would be psychotherapy and really the goal of treatment for bipolar disorder is to stabilize mood um to manage symptoms and then to prevent relapses while supporting the individual in um living a balanced and fulfilling life and so what I think of, um, you know, the treatment for this, uh, the mood stabilizers, is trying to find an average. So if if I'm looking at um, like an Excel spreadsheet and I have waves of high and low, there's going to be an average line, or you there could be an average line that kind of gives you a baseline of what the the overall average would look like. And so then I apply, I would I would try to apply that to bipolar disorder right so these mood stabilizers are really trying to prevent those highest of highs and those lowest of lows and just giving a a a baseline average um for for the day so those are the different forms of depression um and in those forms we we really did talk a lot about the signs and symptoms of of depression and specifically the signs and symptoms for each form of, of depression. But I just wanted to take a a few seconds to go through some additional signs and symptoms of depression. Just again, not to to scare anybody or to, you know, compare how you may be doing to this, this, um, this list, because it's not a checklist. Um, Again, it's just really an opportunity to, Learn more about what those who may be suffering are going through. Um, so typically, you know, individuals that are experiencing so, uh, some of the following signs and symptoms um, with depression are are experiencing these signs and symptoms for most of the day, nearly every day, for at least two weeks. Um, and so some of those are, include persistent sadness, anxiousness, or a quote-unquote, empty mood. Uh, they may have feelings of hopelessness or pessimism. They may be overly irritable. They may be uh, living with uh, feelings of guilt, um, worthlessness, or helplessness. Again, there, there may be a loss of interest or, or pleasure in hobbies and activities that they typically have enjoyed doing. There may be decreased energy or fatigue. One that we hadn't talked about was moving or talking more slowly, feeling restless or having trouble sitting still, difficulty concentrating, remembering, or making decisions, difficulty in sleeping, early morning awakening or oversleeping, appetite and or weight changes, thoughts of death or suicide or suicide attempts, and aches or pains, headaches, cramps, digestive problems without a clear physical cause um, and or that do not ease even with treatment. So again, just a few things to to build an understanding of, of some of those signs and symptoms. I think it's also important to note, though, that not everyone who is depressed will experience every one of these symptoms. So some people may experience only a few of the symptoms, while others may experience many or all of those symptoms. Moving on, I just uh, you want to talk a little bit about the treatment. We, we've talked a lot about the treatment that has been available in each of these um, forms of depression. Um, but I think it's important for us to note that depression and even the most severe cases of depression can be treated. Um, The earlier you're able to get treatment, the more effective it's going to be. And again, this treatment could include medications, psychotherapy, or a combination of the two. Um, And should those treatments not result in improvement or reduce the symptoms, there are additional treatments um, that are available. Um, electroconvulsive therapy, or ECT, and other brain stipulation therapies may be some options um, to explore. Alex, when he was going through um, his depression um, and his battle with, with depression, um, didn't see lift with the psychotherapy or the medications and really struggled in trying to get some of those medications right. Um, And he did begin um, electroconvulsive therapy or ECT um, to assist. And it was a treatment that I had not been aware of um, prior to learning about Alex's experience. Um, And so um, it was new to me. um, And it will be something that that I'd like to cover a little bit more just to give you an idea of what that treatment um, is, um, what it looks like and what it what it hopefully what the goal of the treatment will do to the individual, um, but we'll explore that um, at a later at a later time. Um, beyond the medication and psychotherapy, like we talked about, some additional things to consider um, to to potentially help with um, you know overall uh, well being or to improve uh, mental illness could be just being more active and getting exercises getting exercise trying to spend time with other people and um confiding in a trusted friend or a relative trying not to isolate yourself um and allowing others to help you um as you're going through or as individuals are going through the treatment for for depression one of the things that i think is important to note is that um your ability to get better is not going to happen immediately. So it's something that's going to improve gradually. It's not something that um, you're going to go to sleep and wake up the next day and just be um, com- completely cured. So setting those expectations for either, you know, for the individual that is is going through treatment or if you're going through treatment, that, hey, it's not going to happen right overnight. That But to give yourself some time that's going to happen Um, Gradually. One of the things that I really struggled with when I learned that Alex was was suffering was I just didn't know how to help or what to do. Um, And I still struggle with that. It's it's something that I'm trying to learn and and to to be better with and how to and how to help but my call to action tonight is going to come from that same letter that we opened the podcast with that letter to a loved one so here we go yes every day i try to fight it with all of my tools some days i win and others not. This letter may leave you feeling helpless. If you'd like to help, there are some things you can do. Although they may seem small, they are incredibly significant. First, please don't judge me. It's hard enough to have to deal with it without feeling that I am minimized for it. People who are depressed often feel extremely alone or abandoned. They feel incredibly vulnerable and exposed. Second, just listen. It can be very cathartic to talk about what hurts. You have no idea how wonderful it is to know that I can talk to you and vent without fear. Third, even when I don't respond and you text me or check in, it makes me feel cared for. Sometimes I don't have the energy to respond right away. But I know that you are there. Last, it helps me if you remind me that it's possible to overcome. Depression is an evil sorcerer that makes your brain think that this is all there is. Without being fake, when you remind me that there is hope, that I have won the battle previously, that there is light ahead, And that things will change. It makes me want to get the help. And to continue fighting on. Thank you. And I love that you were able to read this. It means more than I can say in words. So as we. Go about our days. As we look to help. Individuals. Let's first, not judge. Second, let's listen. And third, help remind people that overcoming is possible. We truly don't know what others may be going through. And there's so much in in this world that wants to bring us down. But each day we have a choice, a choice on the person who we want to become. So as we go about our daily life, let us make the choice to do, to be, and to inspire good in all that we do. That's it for this episode of the Take 10 podcast. We will see you in episode number four. Thank you so much. Good night.